Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, what is the government's plan to address the deaths of racialized people at the hands of police? This is a problem uh, that we have seen for many years. We have made uh, steps to improve it, but there is a need for much more, uh, much quicker. The work begins to start transitioning millions of Canadians off the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. There comes a time, and the time has now arrived, where we do indeed uh, must think about transitioning because some sectors of our economy have already started to transition and the CERB, like other um, social support uh, programs, must be there to support both workers and job, uh, job creation. And taking stock of how Canada has handled the first wave of COVID-19. I think Canadians have done an amazing job in uh, all of their efforts to practice physical distancing, staying at home when they were asked to uh, do so, and um, trying to learn all of these um, new hygienic measures and keep up with it. It's Tuesday, June 16th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Susan, thank you for being with us. Good morning, Mark. So let's talk about what the government might do, if anything, to uh, enforce change on police departments across this country. There was a member of parliament calling for the resignation of Brenda Lucky, the RCMP commissioner, because last week she initially said there wasn't systemic racism in that police service. Do you think the government has a role in this or is this going to be driven more by the institutions themselves? Well, we've been we've been hearing from the prime minister that um, things are changes are coming. And I think you got the sense last week that he had uh, brainstormed with his cabinet and said, what is it that the federal government can do? So we saw um, we saw the government coming up with body cameras, for example, for the RCMP, and that turns out to be controversial, too. Uh, Jagmeet Singh has had uh, the NDP leader has uh, a number of, uh, of things that he would like the federal government, he believes that they can do, stop racial profiling, uh, which is another, every, every one of these measures is, is A, not new, and has, has been contentious. Um, he also thinks the federal government can set some kind of terms on use of force. Um, but nothing can... Apart from uh, COVID benefits, this government, no government does things very quickly. And I think there's a real tension here at the moment in in showing that whatever surge this is or whatever sentiment is out there, you know, exploding all over the place um, of, of feelings that, uh, that that this is the time to fix um, systemic racism problems. There, there is the problem that fixing systems is a long, arduous process. And I think we've got used to the idea that we want things to happen quickly. And the prime minister has said, stay tuned this week. But I still don't think that it's going to be an easy or, or uh, immediate task. And of course, the challenge is how do you maintain momentum around this um, there, and how do you make sure that it doesn't become just another task force or report or uh, that that something meaningful happens as a result of this moment? That's right. Yeah. And, and you know, we've seen this before in the, um, 
in in Canada's relationship with Indigenous people. Cultural change doesn't happen with, as you say, a report or a committee. It happens at the individual level, and it happens when when people in their own lives decide to make a a difference or change things. And you are see that, seeing people talking about this, but it's still, I think. I think anybody who wants something immediate in in the, in terms of cultural change is going to be waiting a bit. All right, let's turn to the coronavirus crisis and and there are questions being asked now about whether or not the Canada Emergency Response Benefit is going to be extended. The time is now or soon to to make some decisions around that. So uh, what are you expecting from the government on this? This is this has become a bit of a, a complicated issue with pros and cons because obviously the government wants to support people who need support, uh, but there there is feedback that's coming that it's having an impact on whether people are willing to return to the workplace in some cases. Yeah, what we're seeing here now is the hard part of um, of this. When When this crisis was new to us, the easiest thing in the world to do, although it was expensive, was throw money at the problem. And there is a tension here between the two programs that the government set up. One was for the long term. Uh, one was for the immediate short term. The CERB, as it's called, the emergency benefit is for the short term. It's a, it's a, it's a quick infusion of cash lasting 16 weeks that is going to make sure that you're okay. But we saw, as the weeks and months dragged on of this, that we are into a long-term thing here. And the wage subsidy for employers was designed to be a cushion to get people out of the emergency and back into a reopened economy. And I think every Canadian, just like every person in government, is wrestling with how long is this going to last? You know, we live in Ottawa we saw a, a lot of resurgent feelings, um, and, and sort of a, a glimmer of our old lives last Friday when the world sort of reopened to restaurant patios and, and things that people hadn't done in three months. But there's the economy, just like we were talking about before, is not being quickly fixed. And so I think what we're going to see uh, the government do later this week I think in part in deference to what the NDP has been demanding is a recognition that uh, the emergency benefit has to last because we're still in a state of emergency. We're not really coming out of this much as the restaurant patios may look like it. We are, we are still slogging away here and we need some program to recognize that we, we need the emergency benefit to acknowledge the reality of the fact that we're in this for the long haul. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see an extension of at least two months. I don't know the the details at all myself, but I would think we're looking now at, at something. First, we thought this was only going to last the spring. Um, in a few days, we're going to be into summer, and I wouldn't be surprised to see that this is another season that um, emergency. And then, of course, as you mentioned, there were people on patios. Uh, restrictions have been lifted in the United States. There's been some evidence of, uh, of a resurgence in the infection rate. Uh, so we'll be monitoring that, obviously. Public health officials will be looking closely at that in the days ahead to see if the numbers start going up again. 
that is a really scary prospect for people emotionally and economically. Uh, could Canada withstand another lockdown like we saw from March to now? Uh, I think most people say no, and they say that lessons have been learned for a second wave if it happens. But I think uh, the, the the economy and, and Canadians' emotional feelings about all of this would probably not tolerate another another wave. I think that's what you hear the public health officials say, you know, behave well or, you know, it's back to your rooms for all of you. Um, that's where we we seem to be at. All right, let's turn to the Conservative leadership race. It's going to be an interesting week. Tomorrow night and Thursday night, there are debates. We're going to see the candidates together for the first time. And uh, and very soon, members of the Conservative Party will be able to vote. This has been a very unusual leadership race because of the, the lockdown, the pandemic. Uh, so this really is an opportunity for uh, all of the candidates to share their points of view, win over... Conservative Party members, and for those who are chasing the front runner or front runners to really make an impression, perhaps the last chance they'll get. Yeah, this is um, this is the week. Uh, I think this week is a real turning point in the Conservative leadership race. And I was writing uh, in today's paper that it should be, you know, that um, we've heard enough from the Conservatives about where they want to sit, which is in Parliament, and we'd like to hear a little more about where they stand. I think that uh, that Andrew Scheer, if the world had not been hit by COVID, would have been leaving in a matter of weeks and there would have been a new Conservative leader. And I think what we've seen instead, for good or for ill, is that the majority of the conversation about the Conservative leadership race has happened online, whereas you and I know not the most sane things happen. It's... Uh, it's I, I, this is the first chance to see the, the the leadership candidates in debate with each other. As you said, Parliament is going to stop sitting, so we'll stop talking about um, process issues around Parliament, and we'll see more of um, a debate. And the news that's coming out this week is the way in which Aaron O'Toole uh, is positioning himself to reap the votes of social conservative candidates, Leslie Lewis and Derek Sloan, right. on the second ballot. Uh, normally, people don't talk strategy. I think there's an old saying about if you're discussing strategy in the open, you're not really discussing strategy. But the the issue that uh, a lot of people held believe held the conservatives back in the last election was this lingering debate over social conservatism and tolerance, and the last leadership race, um, Andrew Scheer won it with a lot of help from social conservatives. And it looks like Aaron O'Toole is trying to duplicate that kind of victory for himself, raising the question of, is he going to duplicate Andrew Scheer's fate for himself? Uh, are, in, in other words, are we going to go through another election with conservatives uh, dodging or dogging questions about social conservatism? Uh Peter McKay has not been the, the, the shooting star that everybody thought he was going to be. But I, we haven't really had a chance to see any of these people in three months. So I'm going to be watching, I think, just to see how the pandemic has treated them and how they're treating the pandemic. Going to be very interesting to see what happens and some other big decisions coming in this final week of uh, of 
Parliament sitting in this unusual kind of format this week. Uh, So we'll see what happens. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. There is systemic racism in Canada. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Sun calls for unity over division. The Sun writes, Conversations about racism can quickly become acrimonious. This is a debate that is dividing more than it's bringing people together. The message that we should eradicate racism should be embraced as a powerful one by all. Some of the people out in the streets protesting are opportunistic rioters breaking the law. But many of the others are our children who believe in a better tomorrow. That should be something we can unify behind. In the Hamilton Spectator, David Field and Moya Teklu argue black people are not treated equally in our justice system. They write, Police stop, question, and traumatize black people who have done nothing to warrant their attention. Police are more likely to arrest black people, and members of the bench are less likely to grant bail. The protests and demonstrations we are seeing across the U.S. and Canada are a reckoning, a sort of reparations for long-standing breaches of an important social contract. It is time for all of us to address these breaches by addressing anti-black racism in the justice system. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues grocery chains shouldn't cut pandemic pay before the crisis is over. The Star writes, Canada's biggest grocery store chains are ending pandemic pay simply because they can. They've done the calculations that tell them they can reduce pay to its pre-pandemic lows and still retain the workers they need. If the biggest grocery chains aren't even willing to keep the pandemic pay premium until the crisis is truly over, what evidence is there that we've learned anything at all? Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. As we've discussed, we're awaiting an announcement on the extension of the CERB. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more. Mark, on Monday, Prime Minister Trudeau said he will have news of an extension of the CERB, or something, soon. So, will it come today? Might it come before the debate and the vote on the supplementary spending estimates on Wednesday afternoon and evening? What will the extension be? And will it entail any changes to the CERB? We've been told that procedurally, the way the CERB is written, it can be extended by a simple cabinet decision, an order in council. Whereas any changes to it, like the measures proposed by the government last week to counter fraud and add additional conditions for continuing to receive the CERB, well, those must be passed in additional legislation. That would require the government to call the House of Commons back for a full House sitting. And there is not one forecast before July. Will that happen? Will the extension, if that's all there is, satisfy the NDP enough for that party to vote to support the government in its supplements on Wednesday? If not, that's a confidence vote and we will have an election on our hands. Unless, of course, the government can procure the support from, say, Le Bloc Québécois. So in the coming hours, we can expect maybe an announcement on the future of the CERB from the government, and certainly a significant amount of brinksmanship and intense political maneuvering between now and that vote on the supplements on Wednesday evening. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will have conversations with the Prime Ministers of Spain, Ethiopia, India, and St. Vincent and the Grenadines, followed by a virtual event with permanent representatives to the United Nations to highlight and conclude Canada's campaign for a seat on the Security Council. He will then speak with Canadians about the COVID-19 situation and attend the sitting of the Special Committee on the COVID-19 pandemic. 
And Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet will hold a news conference in Ottawa. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, June 16th. Tune into CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today for continuing coverage of the coronavirus crisis. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.